Good morning, everyone. I'm, uh, my name is Shane Whalen. I'm the pastor of student families here at Rivermont. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to preach the Word of God this morning uh, and to serve with Bert Murphy, uh, my brother in Christ, a good friend of mine as well. So we're glad you're here at worship this morning with us. Uh, at this time, you can open up your Bibles to First uh, uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 9. We're using a pew Bible that's uh, page uh, 957. Page 957. Uh, if you were here last week, uh, you know that we began uh, a new series and we heard from Pastor Brett. And uh, Pastor Brett shared about our new vision and, and new focus uh, for the coming years. Uh, we learned uh, that our goal is to be in Rivermont uh, for Rivermont. So what does that mean? Uh, the Lord's placed us at this particular place, at this particular time in history, uh, for a reason. And our hope is to bring the gospel to our community and neighborhood through uh, loving, serving, and, and building relationships uh, with the people in our immediate area. Uh, yet, one thing we want people to know is that uh, we realize that everyone does not live in the Rivermont uh, neighborhood, including myself. Uh, yes, uh, we would encourage and hope that our members would want to attend our big uh, quarterly events such as the Easter egg hunt in the spring, uh, fall festival in the fall. Imagine that. Uh, but we know and understand that distance from church is a factor. Uh, I live in the uh, Sandusky neighborhood. So for me, that's meant uh, getting involved in the local community uh, through one of my passions, soccer. I currently am the assistant uh, varsity coach at uh, Heritage High School. I've coached for many years in different leagues and schools. Uh, I've been here 16 years, so it's been uh, a great joy to see, especially at the high school level, going through the lines or in the pregame. I've coached so many players from Glass or Jefferson Forest, LCA, Rustburg, Amherst even, and the relationships I've been able to build with these young players and getting to know their families. It's quite a joy. And also, I still, by the grace of God, able to play indoor and outdoor soccer. I'm still playing leagues here in Lynchburg. Even have the joy and privilege. One of my goals in life, and the Lord's been gracious so far to this end, is to be able to play so I could play with my sons, Luke, Jackson, and Sawyer. We've made it where Luke and Jackson can now play in the adult league. Now they're old enough, so I get to play with them on Friday nights. Uh, indoor soccer at Liberty University. Uh, I get to play in the outdoor le- leagues with them as well. Uh, Sawyer's getting there. He's 12. He's got a few more years to go. So uh, pray and uh, I pray and hope that Sawyer will be able to join us uh, soon uh, on the field. Uh, so all that to say, that brings us to our topic this morning, and that's living on mission on the athletic uh, field, athletic field. And as we begin, uh, I'm aware, and I hear it uh, many times, everyone does not like sports. I I fully uh, uh, am aware of that. And it may be tempting at this point to check out, to start thinking about what's coming for lunch. Uh, I do hope that there's application that flows into other hobbies and interests, and that the Spirit would increase our love for God and His Word in our time uh, together this morning. Uh, Also, the Lord 
has taught and given me a growing respect and appreciation uh, for for those who can do things I cannot do. And that's a very, very, very long list. Uh, God has uniquely uh, made and gifted each one of us. Uh, the Lord's blessed me with some athletic ability, uh, but honestly speaking, uh, apart from being a pastor, a Christian, uh, and an athlete, uh, that's about all I have to offer in the, in the realm of uh, hobbies and, and interests. I do wish I could sing, draw, paint, play an instrument, especially the guitar. After all, I am a youth pastor, right? Uh, I can't even use chopsticks properly. Uh, several months ago, Levi, uh, one of our, my co-workers in Christ here with, with the youth, decided that he was going to teach me how to use uh, chopsticks. Uh, after several minutes of failure and inability uh, on, on my part to learn how to do so, I simply told Levi this. I said, Levi, some people can throw a football and some people can use chopsticks. And I am obviously in the former of those categories. Uh, so here we go. Some very brief background before we read our text. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul's laid out the reasons for his freedom in Christ. And now as we come to the end of the chapter, he will explain how he uses that freedom uh, in Christ. So let's read God's word, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 uh, through 27. And this is God's holy word. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we are grateful for this morning. Thank you that uh, you have allowed us to get up and come to worship you. I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Thank you for the gathering of your people. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would come that you would open eyes and hearts and ears to the beauty of the gospel. And Lord, that during this time that I would decrease, that you would increase. And Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and redeemer, the mighty and precious name of Christ. I do pray. Amen. As we go through this text, I want to lay out the application for us all then look at specific application on the athletic field. And I will do so by answering three questions. By answering three questions. The first question is this. How do we bring the gospel 
to athletes. In the second half of verse 22, you see in your text, Paul says that he has become all things to all people. In the verses, he gives examples as to what this exactly means in the prior verses. He says that he, to the Jews that he became a Jew. So what did this look like? Before Jesus saved Paul, he was a Jew. And he knew about religious ceremony and all the rituals. He knew about the 613 laws in the Old Testament and their importance for the Jewish people and their desire uh, to keep them. For the Jewish people, the Old Testament was a way of life. But by the grace of God, Paul knew that the law ultimately led to spiritual death. And part of the purpose of the law was to make us aware of our sin and need for a Savior. As Romans chapter 3 uh, verse 20 tells us. But when he was in relationship with the Jewish people, he was willing and prepared to go under the law and leave behind the freedom that he had in Christ. He wanted to find common ground. And if that meant becoming a Jew again, so be it. And on the opposite end of the spectrum were the Gentiles. And for them, Paul says that he was willing to become one outside the law. So for the sake of the Gentiles, Paul was willing to ignore all religious obligations and traditions in order to win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, he never wanted to disobey God in doing so. And Paul refers to becoming weak to win the weak. And that is a reference to chapter 8 and not eating food that had been offered to idols. So what does this look like for athletes as we live on mission and, and we uh, play in the athletic realm? For the athletes, stating the, the obvious, a pretty simple answer here, don't just be a Christian, right? Play sports. Be involved in the local leagues. Be part of your school's team with a goal and mindset of sharing and living out the good news of Jesus Christ while doing so. The Lord has given you talents and abilities within the athletic realm that can use that can be used to bless others around you. Part of your purpose is to share a message that gives people hope and to let them know that there are answers to the world's problems and there's more than just this life. A couple months ago, the Lord presented me an opportunity to do such a thing. As I mentioned, I'm a coach at Heritage High School. And because of an incident involving some of our players, the Heritage soccer, team, uh, soccer season was canceled with two games left. And our varsity team had the opportunity to make the playoffs. And for Heritage, that's a big deal. You know anything about uh, soccer in the area, Glass and JF dominate the scene. So there we are two games away from potentially making the playoffs for Heritage High School. And we had to go and tell our team, JV and varsity, season is over. We will not be playing anymore. And they sat there, and the players, and especially the seniors, including my oldest son Luke, and cried. Many tears were shed. And some sat there 45 minutes to an hour and didn't say a thing in shock. 
The weight of the moment was real. The heartache of the moment was, was real. But the Lord gave me the opportunity to speak of grace, forgiveness, and the good news of Jesus. Not only to players, but also to parents and administrators. And I know the story is not over because I am confident the Lord will use, will use this incident and use the heartache that so many have felt for his glory. So how do those not so athletically inclined become all things to all people in the athletic realm? I would encourage you to keep up with sports and teams. Again, I, I mentioned with my youth group, I'm athletically inclined. But to relate to, to all my students, to become all things to all people for my students, I try to keep up with music and try to keep up with video games and try to keep up with movies and try to keep up with social media to the best of it. I can't. I'm becoming all things to all people. So if you're not athletically inclined, that's what you're called to do, though. If, you, if you're in a relationship with someone that enjoys sports and likes a certain team or teams, do some research. Learn some things about the team that they like. I'm not saying become a f- fanatic. You don't, have to know every, you don't have to know every single stat for every single player. Instead, just have a general knowledge of the team and some of its players. If they won the previous night, how the team is doing for the season, how certain players are performing. Also in our community, keep up with local high schools and how each team is doing. This opens doors to gospel conversations. You're building a relationship, getting to know somebody. You're establishing trust with that person. It's part of being in the world, but not of it. All right, next, why do we become all things to all people? Look at verse 23 in our text. Paul writes this. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them and his blessings. The Lord saved Paul and he becomes all things to all people. What? For the sake of the gospel. Paul also knows the blessings of the good news of Christ. Because when a person comes to know Jesus as their Savior, the blessings are what? There's forgiveness of sin. There's the communion of saints, the fellowship of believers. There's relationship with God the Father. There's the hope of eternal life, among many other things. And whenever a a person turns to faith in Christ, there's joy in the Lord for the person who shared the gospel. We give thanks to God for allowing us to be ambassadors of Christ and seeing the joy of someone coming from death to life. And in doing so, we're following the example of Christ. Jesus ate with tax collectors and prostitutes. And what? He was known as their friend. Jesus drank water given to him by a Samaritan woman. Jesus set an example of accommodating himself to the culture and circumstances of the people to whom he preached the gospel. May we always remember the gospel does not change. It's relative to all circumstances of life, all cultural climates, and every point in history. So our call as the people of God is what? To adapt ourselves to the people and community in which you're placed in without compromising our witness the demands of the gospel, and the truth of God's word. We always need to stand on the word of God and not on our feelings, not our emotions, not our opinions or what we think 
about a certain topic, our ultimate purpose should be to share Christ and the power of His resurrection and the absolute truth of His eternal Word. And this truly gets at the heart of the matter. As much as I love and enjoy sports, through the years God's Word has taught me that sports are good, but Jesus is better. Sports are simply part of God's good creation that He's given us to enjoy. It is a gift from God that He has made man to think of sports and the rules of the game. And and to be able to jump or run or throw or kick or lift or twist and turn in such a way to achieve great things. All these things scream of a Creator. Yet, as it is with all God's good gifts, they can be misused and abused. When our identity becomes rooted in our performance and what we do, then we are chasing an idol that will never satisfy. There are many stories of great athletes who've won championships at the highest level, only to realize all the work and effort were ultimately meaningless. Current NFL football announcer and former Dallas Cowboys quarterback Troy Aikman, he played in the 90s, he said this, I'll never forget when I was 12 years old, I could not wait until the day I was 16 and could drive a car. I thought, I thought that'd be the end of life's problems. I mean, you can drive. What is there left? And then I turned 16 and realized, wait, there's still problems. Well, I kind of said the same thing after my first Super Bowl. You think once you win it, all your problems are solved professionally. But I've won two now, and he went on to win three. And he says this. It's not changed a thing. Nothing, no problems have been solved. God has taught me to remember that my identity is not in wins and losses, and how well I coach or how well I play, but what Christ has done for me. And that true satisfaction comes from knowing and having a relationship with Him. And God can also use sports to sanctify us in the area of priorities. Often Christian athletes can spend hours, days, perfecting a skill. But say they have little or no time to read the Word of God or pray. Also when sports and athletes habitually cross into Sunday mornings and worship is continually compromised, perhaps we should pause and consider the message that we are sending and what really is taking priority in our life. By the power of the Spirit, may we grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ and may the Lord grant us wisdom to navigate our priorities. And why should Jesus take priority? Because what? Because it was Jesus who lived and died on the cross for His people and offered us forgiveness. It's by faith in Him that we have what the hope of eternal life. Not because of athletics. Again, idols make a lousy Savior. Beyond the very, very, very small percentage that make it professionally, there will come a time in every athlete's life that what they are not good enough, that they won't measure up, that they will not make the team. But not so with Jesus. 
you are always welcome, always loved, always forgiven, always cared for, always accepted, and always part of the family. Even when you fall short in sin, because if you know him, he lived and died and was raised for you. For me personally, it was Jesus who comforted me, restored me, and was with me every moment when I lost a sister and I lost a father. May his love fill our souls and overflow so that we would desire to seek and give him all the honor, glory, and blessing that is due his name. That is why we become all thanks to all people and why we're involved in the mission field with athletics it's for the sake of the gospel and to share with them its blessings finally what is the prize and how do we let athletes know about it what is the prize and how do we let athletes know about it as we begin to think about this i would i would first say this that i believe that the word competition and being competitive has a negative connotation in this day and age. I hear that quite often. How often I've called competitive in a negative way. Yes, competitiveness can lead to sin, but it's obvious that God has created competition and people to be competitive. As As with all things, it's how we act and display these characteristics that are important. Sharing the gospel presents a wonderful opportunity to share the blessing and joy of knowing Jesus Christ and to display godly competitiveness. What does this look like? How do we do and why do we do it? It means what being on the mission, uh, being on mission in such a way to win the prize and let others know about the prize. Understanding the context of this passage is helpful. The reference to running most likely It was the Isthmian Games. And in the ancient world, it was second in importance only to the Olympic Games. They were celebrated every other year. Athletes from throughout the world would come to compete in the Isthmian Games. And Paul was familiar with these games. It's believed that he even witnessed some of these events. So in keeping in line with being all things to all people, he saw this as an opportunity to present the gospel to those who would come to participate or observe the games. The athletes would compete in various races from sprinting to long-distance runs. And for each of these events, only the person, catch this, only the person who finished what? First would win the prize. Second place didn't get a prize. Third place didn't get a prize. Second place was the first loser, right? And that runs against the grain of our culture with participation trophies and everyone winning. But the goal was to win and finish first. And that took competitive drive and skill. The athletes who won their particular race would receive a crown that was either made of pine or parsley. So imagine and think about all the hard work and effort that went into the race in order to just to receive a wreath that had already withered. Yes, there was victory, there was the glory of winning, but the winner was receiving a prize that was worthless because it was already perishing. And most likely spectators and fans would forget who won the race because other races would soon be 
completed. So what Paul is doing is he, he's laying this out for us. He's, he's telling us how to live on mission. And he's setting up a contrast. And he's telling us what? That, that when we share the gospel, when we give, give, we want to give our all. In a sense, we want to be competitive. Because we are what? We are telling about others, about a crown that is imperishable, that Jesus has already won for us. What is this crown? Forgiveness of sin, righteousness, eternal life. Therefore, this crown has eternal value and will not perish. This is the message that we want to share, that there's a prize out there that will not wither, that will not fade. All the awards, all the trophies, all the championships, in the moment, they're wonderful and to be celebrated, to be given thanks for, but in the end, they will fade. So the mission and the purpose is for us is to tell athletes that there is a prize, a reward out there that is of eternal value, that is imperishable. And don't miss the point. When we share the gospel, Paul's not saying that just one person will win the race who lives on mission. Here, what is he doing? Again, he is giving us permission to be competitive when we share the gospel. Run that you may obtain it. Right? In other words, when we live on mission, what we want to do is we want to be competitive about it. That we want to give our all. We want to take our spiritual lives seriously and consider it to be a contest in which we must give again our all. Holding nothing back. 1 Corinthians 10.31 reinforces this by telling us to do all things to the glory of God. And Paul further explains this by using two examples. First, at the first half of 20, uh, verse 26, he, he talks about running. And he says when someone runs, they're not running aimlessly because they're keeping their sight on the finish line. Throughout the race, the finish line is always before the runner. And the same is true for the people of God. Our finish line is the promise of the resurrection and eternal life so that we may be uh, stay focused on the task at hand. And we want others to cross the finish line with us and enjoy the gift of eternal life. Next, in the second half of verse 26, he says this, I do not box as one beating the air. There are times in a boxing match, a boxer will miss his opponent. And the, he then has exposed himself to a counterpunch that possibly could cost him the match. And Paul is letting his readers know that he's not flailing wildly, uh, hoping some of his gospel punches land. He's not wasting punches in the air. Instead, what Paul's saying this, he's like a professional boxer, one who boxes with purpose, precision, and skill. He's floating like a butterfly, he's stinging like a bee with this gospel message. And the fight for the gospel is so important that we do not need to miss opportunities. And finally, we do so with discipline. Read verse 27. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. By grace, Paul lived his life in such a way that no one could accuse him of preaching the gospel and then contradicting it by the life that he lived. What he was sharing and was preaching was a reality in his own personal life. And that should be our goal as the people of God. So how does this translate to the athletic field or being a fan of athletics? It means what? Showing self-control. 
patience, guarding our tongue. I tell Christian athletes who go out in the field at Heritage, the ones I know at times, you're different because you have the Holy Spirit. And part of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control and patience. You have an opportunity to glorify God. And that, yes, sin can easily rear its ugly head. And athletes can become angry or frustrated with teammates or officials. Or you may, you may want to pay someone back for something that they have done. So as we think about mission on the athletic field and the stands on the sidelines, may we remember the call of discipline in our lives. But here's the beauty of it all. Is that when we do sin on the athletic field, and we don't show patience, and we don't show self-control, and we mouth off to another player on another team or an official, we have an opportunity, a wonderful opportunity to humble, humble ourselves. And to ask for forgiveness. And I've done this many, many times. I'll be on the field and I'll do something that, you know, whether it be going after a player because he got the ball away from me in a, in a not very nice way or saying something. And even during the game and after the game, going up to that player and say, hey, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I shouldn't have done that. And it, it, it's amazing the responses you get. They're like, you know, the looks you get. They're like, wh- where are you from and who are you, right? Because that's so counterculture. That's not, that's not, that's not in our nature. And they're like, it, it, don't worry about it. It's fine. No, it's not fine. I sinned against you and I'm asking you to forgive me. Will you forgive me? Yes, we hope so. And the gospel goes forth and the spirit moves and lives are changed and God draws people into his kingdom. And finally, being disqualified is not a reference to losing your salvation. Scripture is abundantly clear that's not possible. God's people will endure to the end. This is more of the same. Paul saying, I'm all, I'm all in. There'll be no doubt. I gave it my all to the end of my life. No cheating, no shortcuts, just love for Jesus and the message of the cross. So as we conclude, I'll say this, sports have been around a long time. And sports are one of the most popular things in culture. So as we think about what it means to be in Rivermont for Rivermont, may the Lord give us grace and humility to be all things to all people. For the sake of the gospel, in order that the prize of eternal life may be attained. Because what? I also believe this. That there will be sports and competition in the new heaven and the new earth. Part of making all things new. Sports is part of the all things. And the more athletes we have to enjoy it, the better. And think of this. The joy of competing without fear of injury without getting tired, without cheating, without uh, players being paid, without bad calls, without seasons being canceled, all in the presence of God. 
playing hard and giving your all, even if you or your team loses, not being upset or mad about it, being able to say good game and actually mean it. Because sin will no longer exist. Because Christ our Savior conquered sin and death. And He's calling the people to a new heavens and a new earth where we will live and reign with Him forever and get to enjoy the things of this current life again without sin. If that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will. So may this inspire us to continue to let all athletes know that sports are good, but Jesus is better. All four and two, the glory of God. Let's pray. Almighty God, we are grateful for this morning. Again, thank you for your word. And Lord, thank you for the things that you're doing in this church. Thank you that you've called us to be in Rivermont for Rivermont. Lord, give us humility and grace, love for people, a desire to see your kingdom advance. And Lord, we just ask that you would continue to be with us all of our days. Prepare us for the new heavens and the new earth and the hope that we have in Christ. It's his precious and mighty name that we pray. Amen.